Jeremiah chapter 8. I just want to read verse 20 at this time. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you've allowed us to be here. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you that you have uh, brought us to this time of the year where we can think about the harvest. We can think about, uh, just examine ourselves and, and look to see, are we truly saved? Are we truly believing in Jesus Christ? And those of us that are saved and know that we're saved, what, what does the harvest bring for us? Do, do we have any fruit to show you? Uh, will, will we be able to present you anything that, that shows that we've been sowing and working and plowing and, and doing the work that you would have us to do? Let us be very reflective at this time. Let us examine ourselves. Open our hearts that we might see ourselves as we truly are. We just ask that if there is someone who is not saved, you, that you would open their eyes, open their hearts, open their minds to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might be saved, that they would trust him. We just ask that you would forgive me of everything that, in every way that I've failed you, that you might use me at this time, that I might be a blessing. Let the words of my heart, my mouth, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord. All these things we ask in Jesus' precious name, that you might receive the glory. Amen. Amen. Preaching this morning, it's 911. What's your emergency? Uh, obviously, the date is nine one one, and uh, I put this out as a Facebook uh, Facebook post this morning. Not really planning on preaching this topic, but as I was looking for something to preach, this just kept coming back. That did people are in a state of emergency. Unfortunately. Most do not realize that there is an emergency. They don't realize that there is an impending doom. Uh, they don't see the emergency. Second uh, Corinthians 4.4 tells us that Satan has blinded their eyes, that they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. They don't feel the danger that they might flee from the wrath to come. They're totally unaware how short their days are. They are looking at something deluded by their, their good works, by their, their good hearts, by uh, uh, whatever it is they think. They've, they think that they're either all right or they've got more time. But the heart, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah, is deceitful and wicked. But we cannot know it ourselves. The Bible gives a 100% forecast. For those that are not saved. For those that have allowed the harvest to pass without being saved. They give a hundred, it gets a hundred percent forecast that there is a storm brewing on the horizon. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 36. Everybody loves John 3.16. John 3.16 gives hope. And even 3.36 gives hope. But in John chapter 3, Jesus condemns sin just as much as he points us to the way that we can be saved. 
He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And that is great news for everyone who believes. That is great news. That is the gospel. The gospel is the good news. He that believeth not in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The summer is ended, the harvest is past, and they are not saved. I told you a week or so ago that that is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. To stand before God not being saved and realizing that you are not saved. Romans chapter 1. Keep your finger in John chapter 3. We want to go back to that, I believe. Well, I'm sorry, it's Matthew chapter 3. Uh, let's go ahead and read John 3, 7. Um, Marvel not that I say unto thee, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. That is the only way that you can be saved, to be born again by the Spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 8. I'm sorry, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteous of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Yes, God has a wrath and it is coming for those who do not believe. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. And when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees, this is John the Baptist, come to his, to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Understand that these were leaders in the community. These were people who followed the rules. These were people who sought to be righteous, but they sought their own righteousness. They did not realize that the Bible taught them that none were righteous. No, not one were righteous, and they were going to stand before God someday. The wrath was coming. Trying to fix my notes. Oh, I had it right. I just read it wrong. Okay. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. You know what that means? That means the winter is coming, and you are not saved. People in that day and age dreaded the winter. There was no reaping in the winter. They, they were dependent on what was done during the summer. They were uh, dependent on what happened at harvest time, what they were able to reap, what they were able to store. The lost will come with nothing stored to face the winter, to face the wrath of God. Many that have professed Christ, that know Christ as their Savior, will stand before Him empty-handed. This would not, however, be a gospel message without me giving the good news. Back in Jeremiah chapter 8, as he addresses this problem, as he addresses the problem that the harvest was past and the summer was ended, he, and he addressed that they were not saved. Verse 22 says, Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? 
Now that doesn't sound so helpful, does it? When you look at it, you're thinking, oh, there's no bomb in Gilead. There's no physician there. But it's a question, is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there a physician there? We know the great physician. We know the cure for sin. We know the cure. That, 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 that turns away the wrath of God. Now what is that bomb of Gilead? Historians tell us that Gilead was had a certain uh, um, mineral there by which they could make this salve, this bomb, that was good to cure eye diseases. People in that day and age and in that area, they, they had a lot of eye diseases because the sand would blow, dirt and, and things would get into their eyes and it would affect their eyesight. But they could get this bomb that was in Gilead that would open their eyes that they could see, that, that their vision would be cleared. We need to pray today that God would open the eyes of the lost today, that they would see their condition, that they would see that they are lost, that they would see that they are on their way to hell, that there is a wrath to come. Seems like I've been in Isaiah 55 quite a bit of late. This particular verse, or two verses, I keep coming back to. Seek the Lord while he may be found. This is in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. He will abundantly pardon. Isaiah is saying here to this same people that Jeremiah had addressed the same nation that constantly had turned from God. They constantly thought that they were okay, that they were a righteous nation because they had their religion. Uh, they looked around at the heathen around them and felt superior. They felt righteous by comparing themselves to other people, other nations. But Isaiah said, seek the Lord. Oh, would you seek him today? Would that bomb of Gilead give you the vision, clear your eyesight that you would seek Jesus? There is no other name under heaven by which one can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Would you seek him? Seek him while he may be found. We ask that you would seek him. We ask not only that you would seek him, that you would see him. That you would see Jesus. That you would see him high and lifted up. That you would see that he is the only way that you can be saved. Look to the cross today and understand that that was done. The sinners like you and sinners like me can be saved by putting their faith in him, by trusting him. Would you see Jesus and what he is? The, the, the son of God who died, was buried and rose again. Would you see Jesus today? Would you call upon him while he's near? Would you surrender to him?
Would you forsake your way? Would you turn from your thoughts of self-righteousness? Your selfish thoughts. Your thoughts of, I really don't need this. Would you call upon him today? Would you seek him? Would you see him? Would you surrender to him? Would you serve him today? Those that are saved desire to serve the Lord. There is an effective cure. There is a bomb of, of Gilead. There is Jesus Christ. The appointed one. There is an essential call. By the way, the call, the called will be called. Now, let me get that right. The called will call. Those that he calls will call upon him. He is the only one who can open your eyes. In John chapter 9, we read of a man who was blind since birth. And it said, Jesus passed by. And as Jesus passed by and his disciples looked at this man and they said, uh, is he blind because he sinned? But he was blind since birth. Is he blind because his parents sinned? And Jesus clearly said, well, he's blind that you may see the glory of God. That you may see what God is able to do. That you would see that I what I am able to do. And he went and he healed this man's eyes. And he gave him sight. And this man sought to follow Jesus from that point after. Jesus passed by and changed, changed his life. Didn't matter what the world said. They said, how can this man save you? How can this man heal you? The, this man is a sinner. He said, I don't know anything about that. All I know is, where once I was blind, now I see. Seeing Jesus makes all the difference. In Mark chapter 7, we read of a man who was deaf. Only Jesus can open your ears that you would hear the gospel call. Mark chapter 7, verses 32 through 35. Jesus came to this man. He touched his ears. It made all the difference. The gospel had probably been preached around him. He had perhaps uh, uh, heard with his deaf ears or, or, or did not hear with his deaf ears anything that was preached, anything that was taught. But when Jesus opened his ears, he was able to hear. It says in that passage, um, that he, that he put his fingers into his ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he saith unto him, Epatheta, which that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake and he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, the more a great deal they published Oh, Jesus, open those ears of the ones who could, the ones who could not hear. That they would hear the gospel, that they would know them. We read, and I had the kids sing about that man, Zacchaeus. We read in Luke chapter 9, verses uh, uh, 
19 rather verses 1 through 20 about this man and you I'm sure heard the story from the time you were a little kid about this man who was a small man uh, the song says he was a wee little man most uh, people think that he is what we would call today a little person perhaps a dwarf or, or uh, someone very that small in stature but he heard about we don't we don't necessarily know what caused him we we know it, it, it was to some extent, the direction of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps he'd heard about Jesus. Perhaps he just wanted to see this person that everyone was talking about. But when he heard the Master's voice, his heart opened up. And as Jesus told him to come down from that tree, it said straightway he came down. He didn't wait. He didn't tarry. He didn't argue about it. He didn't say, well, I can't come down right now because of this reason. Or it would be difficult for me to come down because of my, my stature. Or any other excuse like people would make. He opened his heart and straightway he came down. And that day, Jesus was in his house. Speaking to his family. Speaking to his servants. Changed that heart. Ezekiel, uh, God made the promise that he would take away the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. He did that to Zacchaeus that day. Opened that heart, gave him a heart of flesh. Not only did Zacchaeus become saved and those in his household became saved as well. Zacchaeus, who loved money more than anything apparently, all of a sudden said, if, I, if I've taken anything that, that I shouldn't have taken, if I took too much, I'm going to repay. I'm going to pay them back more than I ever took. That's how God can open the heart. The gospel will open the heart. He will open the mouths. We read in Mark chapter uh, 7 about not only did he open the eyes of this man, but he opened the mouth. Everywhere he went, he touched lips that could not speak. And they were able now to speak the glory of God. They were able to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, they were able to tell others. It said the more he told them not to say anything, the more it was published. Jesus Christ will open your mouth that you might speak. Jesus causes the lame to walk in newness of life. In Matthew chapter 11, Verse 5. It says the blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to him. This is what Jesus is able to do. The, the lame can now walk in newness of life. We were crippled by the fall. You remember the story of... Uh, let me uh, not be porky pig, but let me say Mephibosheth. Remember that story? He was just a baby, and his nursemaid was carrying him running because David was now king, and she feared for her young master's life. And as she fell, he was injured by the fall of another. He was crippled for life. He was lame. We don't understand when we're lost that we are made lame by the fall of another because of the fall of Adam. Adam, who sinned against God, and because he sinned against God, all mankind fell into sin. 
We're crippled by his fall, but we follow in his footsteps. We also are sinners, but we are now able to walk in newness of life. The lame can walk, the deaf can hear. We can now follow Jesus. We are given new life in him. Should we not give that life to him? In the book of Romans, chapter 6. Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism and the death. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. He that opens the ears, that opens the, the eyes, opens the hearts, causes the lame to walk, should we not follow him? Should we not be touched? Jesus asked. The lame man, the impotent man, the man without power. Wilt thou be made whole? Will you be made whole today? Would you call upon the name of the Lord? There is an established common cure. Just as we have a common condition that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there is only one cure, we already told you. There's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, I don't think the, 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 the way to be saved is any more clear than it is in Romans, chapter 10. It says there in verse 8. I'm sorry, verse, uh, um, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the Lord has loosed your tongue today, would you call upon the name of the Lord? Verse 8 says, For what? But what saith it? The word is nigh, even unto thy mouth, and, thy, and in thy heart that is the word of faith, which we preach. But thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that, the, that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, and the, the, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that will call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the cure for the sin. This is the cure for the wrath to come. This is the cure when you get to the harvest time that you shall not be ashamed. Because verse 9 tells us there, there is a payment. We need to understand that God has raised Christ from the dead. Why did God raise Christ from the dead? Because he did not die from his own sins. He did The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He did not die for his sins. He died for mine. He died for any who will believe. He died for any who will call upon him. We understand there is a payment for that sin. That payment is Jesus Christ. There is a profession. He said if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you'll call upon him, you shall be saved. Now that profession is not the thing that saves you. You are merely professing what you already believe. If you're making an honest profession of your faith, that's just a demonstration of your faith. That is the first work that you have done in the name of Christ. That heart has already been changed. It says, with the heart the man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So many people think that they're saved because they said a prayer. Because for the last 150 years, preachers have been telling people that if you say this prayer, you'll be saved. It's in Christian tracts. Just read this prayer. Say this prayer. You'll be saved. Come forward and talk to the preacher. And he says, if you say this prayer, you'll be saved. More people have gone to hell praying the sinner's prayer because they believed it was all in a prayer. It was in a profession, but not in a possession. They possessed no belief. They did not know Christ. They just sought to say the magic words to get them out of hell. There is a promise. Verse 11 says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. What does that mean? It means when you stand before God, when you stand before God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there are no sins upon your account to convict you of. A guilty man will stand before the judge with his head down. Ashamed of the list of grievances against him. But one who is innocent. And we are considered innocent. Not because we've not sinned. But because Christ paid for those sins. We will not be ashamed. That is the promise of God. Verse 12 talks about the persons. Who can be saved? There's no difference between the Jew or the Greek. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't None of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a man, a woman, a boy or girl. None of it matters. He is rich unto all that call upon him. I thank God for that. Then there's the procurement. Whosoever. There's a song we sing. Whosoever meaneth me. Whosoever meaneth me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means the, the, the minute, the second, I believe I'm saved. That means I'm going to be saved next week. It means I'm going to be saved next month, next year. I'm going to be saved under the, 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 the coming of the Lord. And then I'm going to be ultimately saved from all sin, from all woe, from all tears, from all sorrow, from all death. It's harvest time. Many of the day woke up not realizing before the day was over, they're going to stand before God. For them, the summer is ended. The harvest is past. And they are not saved. 
But today, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, the scripture says here, you shall be saved. Sister, would you come?